Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. The Martinsville Melodrama. Reasons to pick for and against championship drivers in Phoenix. We look at the NHRA, the next-gen race car, and Eric Von Hessler even calls in with a special guest, too. This is 5 to Go. Me and they put me in jail and they call my pappy to throw my bail. He said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot, hot rod Lincoln. Lincoln championship edition of the five to go racing podcast. Episode 155 playing for you right now ahead of a big weekend for all three of NASCAR's top three touring series at Phoenix Raceway. Doug Turnbull from the traffic team here at 95.5 WSB. I get to help out with the Performance Racing Network, who had an exciting slate of races this year. I love being up at the Charlotte Roval. That was some fun times. And I'm joined online here by by several racing luminaries, if you will. Uh, Eric Von Hessler is going to join us a little bit later on. His daily Von Hessler doctrine that runs 9 to noon every day. And then they also do a podcast bonus, if you will, or podcast 30 afterwards. And the whole package available in all the podcasting places. He is going to join us as soon as that wraps up. But we had to go ahead and get recording because we had to pull Dan- Dawsonville, Dan Elliott, the master maker of things going fast in Dawsonville, out of the shop to join us on the call. How you doing, Dan? Doing great. Hope everybody else is also. And we, we certainly are. And we're joined. We had to pull Devin Kupka, our stats wizard, who also lives up there in the North Georgia mountains, not far away from Dan, goes to the University of North Georgia. And he's our stats guru and NASCAR super fan. We had to pull him out of class to jo- join us today. How you doing, Dev? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I just, just got done watching a great weekend of racing and can't wait to discuss about this upcoming weekend and the championship weekend and recap what happened this past weekend at Martinsville. Well, that's exactly it. We we can't go forward, guys, until we look back just a little bit because what we saw unfold, whether it's just a, whether it was a uh, you know mediocre, kind of average little race unfolding there for about two-thirds of it, and then you get to about 50, 75 laps to go, and as is normal, all hell breaks loose. Do, do, so, boys, I want to go to you, Dan, first. Is is there anything you saw at Martinsville, Dan? I think I might know the answer to this, but is there anything you saw in Martinsville that tees you up for how you view the championship four and anybody else at Phoenix Raceway for the Cup Series? Everything. I loved everything about it. I Let's hear it. like some of the fans that, that were online that were talking about how they enjoyed the race and how they wished that every martinsville would be included in the in the in the countdown races and and i agree this is the kind of racing that i wanted to see back at martinsville and i feel like in some ways we've seen glimpses of but i feel like this this martinsville was a little bit better because i feel like maybe the the competition was it seemed like everybody was hungry. The competition was there. The cars were there. Don't know if anyone had anything for the Hendrick camp this weekend, but they doggone sure tried. 
Well, they sure did. And the Gibbs camp, very strong. I mean, Denny Hamlin looks like he has the race won there. Alex Bowman inserted himself in the top five for a large stretch of that race. And then he got there toward the end and, you know, different restarts, whatnot. And suddenly Bowman is fighting hard with Hamlin and gets up under him there. And the car does not stick on the bottom of the racetrack. So, Devin, what what did you glean from Sunday's Martinsville race that you take forward and how you look at Phoenix? And what, what, do, what do you pick out of it? Maybe your top takeaway or two. Well, my, my top takeaway is just the momentum that Hendrick Motorsports is on right now as they've won the last four races dating back all the way to the Roval that me and you were both at. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, just Hendrick's absolute dominance. I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how Joe Gibbs is going to react to this going into next week, especially, you know, with the tempers flaring at the end of the race between Denny Hamlin and Alex Bowman. It's definitely going to be an exciting uh, championship weekend next weekend. Between the it, Joe Gibbs drivers and the Hendricks drivers. Yeah, coming up right about the bend, just in a few days there. And Gibbs versus Hendrick is probably fitting, guys, that it comes down to these two organizations just because of what they've exerted this year, and not just with wins, but with overall how they've run. And especially Hamlin and Truex, especially Elliott and Larson. And then you mix in the fact that Alex Bowman, Dan Elliott, when you were doing your preseason bingo card, did you have Alex Bowman doubling Chase Elliott's win total this year? Because wasn't the narrative coming into the season that Elliott was going to win like six or seven races because of all the road course, all the road courses added? I mean, Dan, Alex Bowman, he may not have run as well as his teammates overall, but he's got four wins. What do you think? He's got four wins, but you've got to have consistency, and that's what uh, what. Uh, both of those other cars are doing is they're gathering up consistency to where I feel like next year if they can carry this momentum on that next year for that camp could even be better but we have to factor in the new car and I figure as good a drivers I, I, I believe as good a drivers as those kids are and they're all kids to me um, so uh, I look at that. Uh, Denny I Hamlin. That compl- yeah, I, I look at that completely different um, as far as um, the older veterans, the seasoned veterans, as being able to transition, and that's what I'm meaning by it is is the transition into the new car and adapting to it. And um, I know in years past that has been an issue with a lot of drivers is that transition and and i feel like the younger drivers may transition quicker that's what i saw in the past that's what i base it on and then i look at what happened on sunday was the fact that you had a how do you feel about a non-member driver of the life for affecting one of the one of the players for the playoffs you know, you've got so many variables in this by having four playoff drivers and the rest of the field not. And 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 do you feel like we could get into a deal to where that uh, Phoenix will be decided by points? Yeah, well, just by how you finish. I mean, let, let's not even worry yeah. about the points, right? It, could Phoenix be decided with uh, third, sixth, seventh, and eighth, right, or something like that? It seems to me, guys, very unlikely 
I mean, of course anything's possible, and there are a lot of hungry drivers out there. You know that Brad Keselowski would love to win in his last race of the two-car. He almost did it at Martinsville, and that was one of the sneaky performances I saw out of there. And see, Brad just put that car on his shoulders and said, to hell with everybody, and, and went for it out there. And, and he had to win to make it, and he almost did. You could see a hungry Brad Keselowski. You could see, I, I mean, Tyler Reddick has, has come so close to winning his first race here in the playoffs that at some point that door is going to fall down and maybe he's up there on a, on a final restart. He stays out or, or chooses the non-preferred line and just, just wings it and throws it into a corner and comes out on top. Tyler Reddick could, could do that. William Byron has had such a fast car and just had very little in the wind column to show for that. Well, nothing since he's really gained all that speed at that William Byron. Could he do it? There, there's several people you could ask that question and they should race as hard as possible just don't be right, Devin. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that that stays out. If you remember the, how Daniel Suarez won the 2016 Xfinity title, it's because Cole Witt and the TriStar Motorsports number 14 stayed out on old tires and just caused a crap show of a restart. It, I mean, no, knowing they probably weren't going to win, just to get the best finish possible, and it bottled up some guys, wrecked some others, and then Suarez shoots out in the lead, and he's the one that won the title. So I mean, Devin, we were hoping that. Everybody races hard, but nobody's that guy, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be that guy and causing problems for playoff drivers, but you also got to realize that that everybody out there on the track, whether it's playoff season or it's not playoff season, that everybody's out there fighting for the win. For instance, you could have Ross Chastain at the top, and let's just say let's just say it was Kyle Busch or Ross Chastain this weekend, and they were fighting for the league. You you know Ross Chastain wants that win, although I know Ross Chastain didn't perform you know well this weekend, but but just 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 thinking about it, and Alex Bowman, you know, if you have a chance to win, you go out and get that win. So, and I know I know I know Denny Hamlin's all upset about it, but just Alex, I mean, if you have a chance to win, go out and win. And it doesn't matter whether you're going to have to face off against a playoff driver, and you're not in the playoffs. It, it might be a bad look, but but if you have the chance, go out and win. Just don't do something stupid that messes up the day. That's yeah. what, yeah. yeah. So a great, great example of Ross Chastain there. You know, Chip Ganassi racing, Kurt Busch's last race there. Just yeah, both of those drivers want to get one last big win for Big Chip, right? Uh, Ryan Newman's last race of the six car. He hasn't even been a lead lap driver, or even one that's two laps down of late. I mean, he's been out to pasture. But if Ryan Newman somehow has a car under him. And potentially his last race as a full-time driver. But Matt DiBenedetto, no ride next year. He has a chance to go up there and win. Dadgummit, they better go out there and try to win. There, there's no taking it away. This is still a race. And I think sometimes we get lost so much in these playoffs that uh, that it's it's not remembered as that. Here are a couple of other things on the line, boys. The points, and I don't have the money numbers that break down for how much drivers and teams get when they finish a certain spot in the standings, but anybody that's not in the championship four is fighting for fifth place in the points. Brad Keselowski has fifth place in the points by only five points over Kevin Harvick right now as far as they're, as they're lined up in the owner's point standings. The number two car has a five-point advantage to finish fifth. The battle for tenth place is only six points, separating Kurt Busch in 11th from William Byron in 10th. That is another big pay level cut, uh, or pay level cut line, if you will. And and anything can happen, right? But just when you have such thin margins there, by the way, the 12 and the 22 car are exactly 
tied in the point. Uh, yeah, they're exactly tied in the point standings after being reset after getting kicked out of the playoffs. They are exactly tied to the points. Joey Logano or Ryan Blaney, they want to finish as high as possible. And then, boys, this sexy battle is not going to make it on TV at all. There's a battle to finish 25th in the standings. There's a million-dollar cutoff right here, and Daniel Suarez has a commanding lead. In fact, he's got that spot locked up over Cole Custer. All right, so, I mean, that I think barring a catastrophe, Daniel Suarez finishes in the 25th spot in the points versus Cole Custer in 26. And there's one last one is for the charters, and Devin and Dan, I know you've heard this before. If you have a charter, you're one of the 36 teams that has that uh, privileged spot to be locked into races and the extra payout and all of that, you can't finish in the bottom three of the charters three years in a row or else NASCAR can elect to take can, <laughs> we'll see if they do it, can elect to take your charter from you. Rick Ware Racing in the number 51 charter, I believe, is in 34th in the standings, uh, and or sorry, is out of the charters, though, he's the 33rd, I think. And so the way that works, they, if they if they don't fudge it enough to where he ends up finishing in the bottom three, they could potentially take that charter away. And that's a charter that actually belongs to Richard Petty Motorsports. All right. Got all that. So there's another battle that involves a lot of money on the line there. And the same thing exists in the other series as well, as far as finishing the top X and the points and the top that and that, and there are no charters in the other series. So that that there's a lot on the line here, and we're really only going to talk about the four drivers in the end. So that that's that, that's kind of how that breaks down. Now, boys, I, Dan, I want to come to you first. Driving etiquette. There, I mean, look, Martinsville is a race where it is a just Goliath and David type of battle all day long. There is a point where respect and racecraft get trumped by entertainment and desperation, right? And and do you think that that line was crossed at all, Dan, in Sunday's race? Do you think that Alex Bowman, I mean, what if Denny Hamlin misses the playoff cut line because he gets bumped out of the lead there? I mean, do you think of Alex Bowman's move any less, Dan, or what do you do? You know, if if that had been a situation where Alex was on a new set of tires, he came off the pit road, and I know he wouldn't be leading. So let's just say that, that if something had been to where that his car was Maybe they were in sequences of stops, and and he got a new set of tires, and he came out and did that with the differences in the two cars. Might be a little lack of respect on that deal, or the fact that you just get carried away the fact that the car is running so good. But no, I did not see anything that really stood out to me over races I've seen in the past and the way situations over time present themselves. Because as as these younger drivers do battle with the veteran drivers there's there's going to be a, a season at which these look like they're at odds but it really is and i and i don't say this loosely or lightly it's it's not a changing of the guards but let's say that the younger drivers are definitely maturing to where that they now do battle and it is a battle in which the outcome has really, really um, huge benefits by who is on top at at the end of the day. So let's just put it in perspective. Uh, Do you want a driver that that goes out there and is afraid to do battle with a seasoned veteran? I don't. They're not going to. This is not the way it is. This is just part of racing to me, and it's an evolution. 
Well, yeah, it is an evolution for sure. And, you know, with so much on the line here, it's you can't fault people for going hard. I mean, Brad Kozlowski went hard, man. Brad Kozlowski went hard to try to race his way in. There was only one way in. Almost wrecked Kyle Busch coming to the start-finish line, which drew Kyle Busch to say not only did he want to beat the S out of Kozlowski because trying to wreck him for second and not first, but he also used the R word in there, which has now sent him to sensitivity training class. It's definitely not a word that could be thrown around anymore, right? It's just not not something you can say. So, uh, well, I want to ask two guys, Devin, to you first, and, and I know both of us, all three of us, I mean, follow multiple sports. In baseball, when the winning team wins, they do grab a player or the manager on the side of the field. And same in football. Usually the losing team doesn't get talked to until there's a press conference afterwards and things have calmed down. And and, and really, that's true in any sport, right? So, Devin, I want to ask you first. NASCAR, what ma- what makes it charming is that is that drivers, I mean, you, you pull them right out of that hot, sweaty race car, and they're going to a media bullpen or getting a camera stuck in their face. And sometimes things get said, and, and sometimes what Hamlin does, saying talentless hack and do, doing all this stuff, gets captured. So, Devin, do you think that we hold drivers to too high of a standard of how they speak? And I don't mean Kyle Busch using the R word. I mean some of the other stuff they say. Do you think we hold drivers to too high of a standard when we stick a camera in their face, a mic in their face, right after the heat of battle? Well, I mean, yes yes and no. So if if we're doing that, doing this right after the race, like we've been doing for a very long time, it's in the heat of the moment. And this this past weekend's race at Martinsville, it was it was it was very fierce between those playoff drivers and, you know, kind of getting up in their face after after the races. And this was seen in all three series this past weekend, drivers being aggravated after the race. Um, You're kind of you're kind of um, I don't know how to put it, but. You're basically asking for what you're going to get kind of is where you're you're going in right before they can cool down and think about everything. Because think about it when after the race, when Alex Bowman was doing burnouts and Denny Hamlin was going after him, you heard the uh, spotter Kruchi for Denny Hamlin telling him, think big picture, think big picture to try to calm him down. So you kind of you kind of you get what you bargain for when you do this after, after each race, like especially when things are intense and stuff, drivers, drivers are just going to be in the moment and they, they'll say stuff that they'll, they probably regret. For for sure. Dan, you at running Gresham motorsports park. I mean, it it was with the top three were standing right on the podium because you had to have post-race ceremonies for all the multiple series of classes that were racing there. And sometimes things got said, but Dan, I always thought that when drivers misbehave, let's just say, when there's conflict, that sells tickets, right? That 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 promotes or that brings engagement. So, I mean, do you think that anything should change about that, or, or are we asking too much of drivers to to not drop an f bomb on NBC? I mean, what do you think? Well, here's where you're crossing uh, another evolution of your you're bringing your sport up level after level. And you're expecting the drivers to come with you. Only this has been a, a learned process over many, many, many seasons. And you're, it, it's like the sport's evolving faster than the drivers can follow or can adapt to, if that makes any sense. Okay, so now you're in a situation where that if you're going to do this, if you are going to put yourself in this situation, the networks have to understand that before all of this, and I don't know if they still do this or not, there was a delay, a small delay built in to be able to beat this stuff out. 
And to me, that would be the easiest thing to do because you do stick a camera up in your face at the worst possible time and expect people to be happy about something or different about something or not project about something. And it's not going to happen in every situation because, yeah. like I said, I think the sport is evolving. The the association is evolving at a faster pace than the drivers can can kind of keep up with because they're they've been used to being able to talk about this up to some degree. Yeah, and to come in, they've not been groomed like a lot of the younger drivers, maybe and. And maybe you do have some younger drivers that come in that are this passionate that were running <clears> on short tracks see, and places like Gresham where you could talk about a little bit of that stuff. See, I I, I will I want to push back just a tad on that because the, the, every driver that we see that's relevant now is a new school driver. All right, Denny Hamlin's rookie year was 2006. Kyle Busch's was 2005. That was the height of NASCAR ratings, seven million a race, right? They they yeah, definitely how years, had how many years how many years have they been racing and yeah but I mean and they've been racing forever before that right so yeah that's a good point but but I guess what I'm okay. saying is, is that they've all been me on the media leash before so to speak they've all been on the PR some leash have been groomed I'd say some have been groomed better than others and some are able to adapt quicker than others to what they know they have to do. It, it it's like um it, it's it's kind of like the pc police of of everything anymore we all have to be careful how hard yeah. is it? it it it's hard because you've been used to life a certain way your life but now you're throwing it out to millions and millions of people yeah well you're, and, and you're, look you're going worldwide i think that there's something I think that there's something also afoot here, and that's that you talk about the evolution of NASCAR, and you know, Devin, you're 19 years old, right? I mean, yeah. our society has changed too to be a lot more forgiving of actual, where it's less forgiving about slurs, right? I mean, it's there are all sorts of things you can get caught up saying you don't even realize are offensive, you know. And I'm not saying that's what Kyle Busch did. I just mean in general. There's a lot of those rules are changing, but as far as the George Carlin's seven words, society has become a lot more forgiving of those. And what I've noticed, Devin, is when I watch live events, when I hear people just speak to each other, you know, when no one's watching and they're just like chilling, it's F-bomb, 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 F-bomb. I mean, there's chants about F the president, right, at sporting events. like, And I'm talking, this isn't just the edgy people, right? It's like it's just regular people that are doing it. So I, I almost and NASCAR stopped finding drivers for it. So I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it seems like the threshold that society accepts yeah. as far as what comes out of a driver's mouth is pretty is pretty low. But it's when they start. It's here's here's my thing. It's not just about if they're cussing or not. That that's not that. It's when Denny Hamlin gets out and calls someone a hack. Right? He called Alex Bowman a talentless hack. He's fuming mad. I mean, Denny Hamlin, if he had Alex Bowman in his hands, would have just beat him to a pulp if he could. He's pissed off. He's mad. Does he really actually think when you, when the lights are off and he goes back to his bus and he you know has a drink, calms down? Does he actually think that Alex Bowman is talentless? And what I think what is what happens is we hold these drivers to this is their actual thoughts when they're just super PO'd, right? It, it, am I far off here? 
No, I mean, I, it's just kind of in the moment. And by the time they cool down, they, they, I don't I don't think Denny Hamlin believes that Alex Bowman's a talentless hack. It's it's just kind of I, I Denny Hamlin was probably he just probably felt that he got a little bit cheated at the end. But yeah. it, and even in Alex Bowman's uh, uh, interview on the front stretch, he even said that he got a little loose into three. And that's what caused Bowman to run into uh Hamlin a little bit, causing Hamlin to spin out. So, and I understand Hamlin's frustration, but but it's just it's when these drivers are all they're all mad and everything. It's it's really all just in the moment. And then and the, and going back on what you guys said earlier, the networks love love doing this because you know it it helps drives ratings up and it's drama. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and so I think we get. Really, we hold drivers to this standard of like it's like we want conflict at races, whether it's wrecks, whether it's fights, whether it's you know saying nice little barbs and in interviews. But it's like we want conflict, so then we can admonish a driver for it. That that's what I feel like, and I and I think it, I think if we get round really down to the root of it, we want to see people misbehave so we can see if they get in trouble or not. And it's like I, I think that's kind of lame. Like, don't you just want conflict for conflict and, and to see how it resolves itself? I, I don't know. I, I and we're not going to solve that here. But I I think we say I want race, I want entertainment, I want drivers to be unfiltered. But if the yeah. driver is truly unfiltered, like Denny Hamlin was, I mean, he called another driver a talentless hack, right? Kyle Busch said he wanted to beat the S out of Brad Keselowski, right? I should go do it right now. He said. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm here for it. Give me the popcorn. <laughs> I'm yeah, here for bring, bring, them mad, bring, but I don't hold them and think rivals. that they actually mean all of it. Well, that's, that's, I, 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 I think I want, I want to see the return of actual rivalries. Like for instance, um, you know, Jeff Gordon versus Dale, Dale senior back in the day. I mean, a polite rivalry. Yeah. And they, they didn't hate each other. They, they raced each other hard with a lot of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And those do exist. I just think they're not really rivalries. It's more like, oh, that guy's good. Yeah, it's more I, I yeah. definitely nowadays. It's more short term. For instance, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott about a, you know like two months ago, and now that's kind of withered off. Uh, I, that, they're still rivals, Devin. That that trust me, Dan. Don't you think Kevin and Chase may not be trading barbs right now? But don't you think if they get in a close racing situation, that's gonna that that one's still there? I don't. I honestly don't know if it is or not. I, I think they've had time to to cool down, but Harvick may not ever forget that he wasn't in the in the hunt because of that. But you look look at the conflict coming out of Martinsville. You're, you're going to have a whole new conflict order here coming out of Martinsville. So um, it, it's going to change from race to race, and we don't know how they interact outside of the racetrack so now nah, i got no idea and uh because i've seen those i've seen those rivalries where um i remember the one i think it's ricky rudd and brett bodine where every oh, time brett raced ricky rudd came in the truck and wanted to beat his hind end so um i i don't know were these things i don't know if it comes into something that happened outside of the racetrack, inside of the racetrack, and, and that's for them to work out. But I, I just don't see a, a lot of things going full tilt in the next year. I really don't. Not right now, anyway. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I think, go ahead, I don't, think, I don't think anything from like this, because 
next season, there's just so much unknowns for next season, especially with the next gen car. I, 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 I just, I think everything will be a fresh restart next season. So I don't know. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Dan. I don't know. I don't know if things are going to necessarily in terms of like rivalries and stuff are going to really necessarily carry over into next year. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think and I, not, I, not, I don't completely disagree. I just want to be clear. I think y'all are making good points. The drivers have long memories, and I, I don't think that Denny Hamlin versus Alex Bowman is going to last a long time, based on how Alex took Denny's comments, right? Uh, I think about, Alex realized but, he's hey, ticked Dougie. off. Hey, Dougie, they've got more fragile race cars, too. Well, that's a good point. That's a shame, too. I, I want to see race cars. They can go get it, all right? But yeah, and that's I, think, uh, I, I, I just think, that, think it's it's like Hamlin's crew chief coming out and telling him what he did. That that was smart to do that. That that uh-huh. was smart. And 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 I think that that the driver's crew chief is the coach, and I think they're the one in the ear, and they're the ones that ought to help. Just just remind them of the moment, what your goal is, where you're going, and this is. Big picture, and I thought when that happened, that was that was the smartest thing he could have done because it yes. probably saved personally Denny a lot of money. It did, and it could have saved the uh, ramifications at Phoenix too, right? I mean, if if he had yeah, done something really exactly stupid, right. yeah, I mean they could have said, "Hey, you got to start in the back next week." Or I mean, I would I would hope not, but how do you punish someone if they got all the money in the world like Denny Hamlin is, right? Point. You take it away at the racetrack, and yeah. So that a good 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 thoughts there in Martinsville. By the way, in the Xfinity series, Noah Gregson took that nine car and put it on his back, son. He had to win essentially Martinsville to advance into the championship board, doing so at the expense of his teammate Justin Allgaier, who does not advance. And Allgaier's had a solid year and is much like Denny Hamlin, been always been right there, never won that championship in the Xfinity series. So Noah Gregson will join Daniel Hemrick. Austin Sendrick and AJ Almendinger at Phoenix Raceway to be the Xfinity Series Championship for. Uh, wouldn't it be rich if Daniel Henry get, got his first ever NASCAR Series race win in any of the three series by, to win the Xfinity title? That would really turn it upside down. Uh, to me, I feel like the mojos with AJ Almendinger, but all four of them you can make a case. And the Truck Series, that race got turned upside down. Sheldon Creed, who's been solid all year was knocked out. John Hunter Nemechek got hooked by Austin Wayne Self at Martinsville and only finished just above the cut line. But he will join Matt Crafton, who raced like a maniac as well, if you ask Shelton Creed, Ben Rhodes, and Zane Smith, who drove a hard, hard race there and had to win to advance. To, to the, they'll, they'll all go to Phoenix. So Zane Smith, Noah Gregson had to win to advance, and they do so into the championship four. I got to say the favorite there has to be John Hunter Nemechek because of what he's done all year, but give give him one last, last restart, reset the field, and you never know. So let's look ahead to Phoenix with the Cup Championship for, which I'll state again, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and Denny Hamlin. And I want to get to our stats guru, Devin Kupka. Give me a case for whomever you think comes on top, or maybe you have a case for all four of them. Well, I, I, think, I think going into this weekend – I, I just the momentum, I, as I mentioned earlier, just the momentum Hendricks on. I just can't. Are we doing picks now? Or are we going to do that later? Uh, go I ahead. Can, I no, I'm, I'm asking my, you right now. You got the stats. You got the knowledge. You got the passion. Let's hear it. I I, I just can't see anybody but Kyle Larson winning the uh, championship right now. 
He's just, just the team is so hot. And I know, I know, I know Chase Elliott's his teammate, but just Kyle Larson just over the whole field for the championship four is just, I, I just think he's in a league of his own at the moment. Um, and, and with winning, winning three races in a row again from the road court, from the Roval to Kansas, he's pretty much won everywhere. But although I will say this about Kyle Larson, he was the only Hendrick driver this season at Phoenix to lead a lap, and he only led one lap at Phoenix earlier this season. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday. It'll it'll be interesting. Uh, it certainly will. Look, so uh, Truex Dan Elliott won the Martinsville Spring Race and has been fairly good on these type of racetracks. I believe he won Richmond, right, just just several weeks ago. Uh, Denny Hamlin has, I think, the, by the David Smith Motorsports Analytics, has the fastest 750 horsepower car over the course of a season and certainly knows how to get around this racetrack. That's Hamlin. You have Chase Elliott, who won this race coming from the back a year ago. And he also was extremely fast in Martinsville and, and probably would have won that race had he not gotten spun out back Kislowski. And then you have Kyle Larson, as Devin said, who is the fastest car for the whole season. Nine wins to his credit, has done it on every kind of track, and was fast at Phoenix in the spring. So, Dan, you have, I know, been a steadfast believer in the Hendrick Mojo all season long. Where do you stand now as we go to Phoenix? I think I know. Yeah, I think you know. Um, I, right now, I stand because I look at uh, I look at my list of pluses and minuses of the drivers, and and I try to rate them not only during the year but also previous years, which we don't have a lot for Larson to be graded on on that. But I still hold him very very high in this. I look at Chase first because. He's felt the pressure of winning a championship, of knowing even though he hasn't won as many races as Kyle Larson, I still put him just a tick above Kyle Larson. I don't take anything away from Larson, and I think he is almost equally as well. If he notches a championship, that's going to help him in the next seasons to be able to put that together with repeating and I think that's the key to this is repeating and if you've been through one and known the pressure and know that you've succeeded and can do it I feel like you have an advantage and then I look at where Hamlin and Truex have been all season long and that one was a little bit more difficult because you are looking at not only the drivers, but also the organization. And and I think that when you grade by marks there, that organization is down just a tick. You may not think so, but I feel like they're down just a tick. And I feel like this has not been exactly Truex's year. And yeah. I feel like Hamlin has more confidence than Truex does, even though Truex had a good run on Sunday, he really did. But he he, he ran like... he managed to race into the playoffs ahead of Kyle Busch. I mean, Kyle Busch was the first driver out. Dan, to your point, I, I don't I don't want to take over here, but he did he managed to do that with damage on both sides of his race car. He just uh, like I just said about Gregson a moment ago, he put that car on his back, son. 
he put that car on his back and just uh, they call it Martinsville for a reason, right? I and mean, they named it after him, didn't they? It wasn't, no, maybe not. But uh, no, they, they, uh, I mean, it, Martinsville has been his playground, and he certainly willed himself into those playoffs. There, to your point. But but we're going to Phoenix, okay? But so we're going to Phoenix. Where do you want in the spring? Yeah, let let's yeah, where do you want in the spring? Um, I just feel like it's going to be. The Hendrick cars versus the Gibbs cars, and I, I, I just I, I felt this way since midseason, and I'll leave it where it's at. Uh, Kyle Larson, he'll run good if he doesn't beat himself. If there's something right. that he does, yep, that that um, I feel like Chase has a better better advantage on that end, but. Those two cars, I feel like definitely the ones to beat. Yeah. And then, and then Hamlin and Truex, I put a little bit more emphasis on Hamlin. I don't know what this past weekend is going to do for him because when you get shaken up in this deal, when when you have a race turn out like it did, and this is where this is where the the racing gods kind of favor one side or another right now, and. And you've got to look at where the racing gods are today. And, and I just don't see it with those two drivers. And it may, may turn around and be that way, but that's what I'm going to do right there. I got you. I got you. So I, I think one thing that we need to talk about with Elliott and the nine team is that that pit crew won. I mean, they were the fastest pit crew and they got the big bonus there in the all-star race. And then it was like the very next race, they had a loose wheel. <laughs> right, and they had like they got the penalty after the race, like the big time penalty for the wheel coming off, or or the multiple loose lug nuts, whatever it was, right? And Larson's team, I just noticed even just in Martinsville, and yeah, m- by the way, Larson sped twice on pit road at Martinsville, and he did at Martinsville uh, at uh, at Phoenix back in the spring too. But Larson's number five crew is lightning quick, and that's not to say that the nineteen crew and the eleven are not, and and the nine are not either, but. That team overall in all phases is firing on all cylinders, and because of the virtue of everything, I mean, there's going to be qualifying this weekend in practice, and I have a feeling that they are got to be the favorites to get the pole also. When's the last time we even talked about qualifying, boys? It's been a minute. So, <laughs> But there will be qualifying well, let's, let's, practices let's go this weekend. Back. Let's go back and, and regroup here and say then uh, Kyle Busch allowed the pole among the non- <laughs> participants in the playoff okay so since Kyle Busch gets to practice and qualify let's see how that changes his game I think absolutely hey do you boys get sentimental at all about there being a change of era for the race car and it's and it's not just that we're going from a you know gen 6 to gen 7 it's that the whole idea of the car being built by the race team is completely evolving now to a vendor-based situation and we're going to see the last 750 horsepower race cars next year. That package will be about 670 or so. We're going to see the last five lug nut pit stops. I mean, again, I know that's not something that's super sexy. The exhaust on the new race car, the next gen car, is going to be completely different. It's going to sound different in some ways, more guttural, I guess. But and and it's just going to be totally different. It, it, Dan, as well, a mechanic, is there any sentimentality at all that we should be having or that you have? No, because look, look at what's coming after this. Have you thought about what's coming after this with the fact that you Electric? could have a hybrid? Yeah, where you where you have a hybrid and 
and what's coming. I just think that um, everything is evolving so quickly, and, and, and I struggle at times to keep up with technology on where technology is today, and that's why I love to go on to different websites and look at the different things and yeah. see what all is new and what's not, because this, I think this better prepares you for what's going on around you, because things are changing now at lightning speed. The pace is unbelievable. It really is. It, like, it seems it's like it's like, tough to it's be. Like Iacocca, it's like Iacocca said, leave, follow, or get out of the way. Okay, <laughs> so now, now you're beginning to see what he really meant, and uh, that was probably, gosh, that had to be probably 60 years ago. Uh, yeah, well, and and think how much stuff changing was back then in 1961. My gosh, the country with their huge change in general. Uh, Devin, you're uh, 19 years old. You ha- you were gosh, 2007. Still, so that's still wet behind the ears. It, De- Devin was a child when the Car of Tomorrow came out, which was this radical hey, Dougie, change Dougie, for the Gen Five I've been twisted. Here, Go ahead, Dougie, Dan. I've been sitting here trying to figure out who he sounds like. Do you know who he sounds like? Who, do, who does Devin Kupka sound like? Does he sound like a Gen 5 race car engine? Nope, he does not. He sounds like, and, and don't hold this against me, but he sounds like a young Jeff Gordon. Oh, what do you think, Devin? Is that all right? Hey, I, I, being compared to Jeff Gordon, I'll take, I'll take it any day. I love it. That's a great point. Yeah, Jeff had, yeah, Jeff had got that unassuming voice and, yeah. Yep. And now, Dev, what you need to do is grow that pencil mustache and the mullet. And you'll be set, brother. Ah, I used to have. I, the thing was, is earlier in the year, I used to have a mullet. So, uh-oh, so maybe, maybe uh-oh. I'll have to, maybe I'll have to uh, do that again. I the next yeah, Halloween. You're to go back into the archives and get some pictures. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you better send us some pictures there. Put it on our five to go race at Facebook page. All right, look, Devin, you, you used to have. Uh, so we got to do the mullet, the pencil mustache, the big uh, Oakleys that were big popular uh, in the early '90s and looked like ski mask glasses or whatever, whatever you call those. Man, you'll be set, bro. Get a rainbow jacket. I'm telling yep, you, you're going yep. to go into big things. So. <laughs> uh, and when you get to be a famous announcer, just remember me. Okay, I, I definitely, I definitely will. I definitely will. Oh, I love that. Was, you're on the track, bro. You're on the track. You're hungry. You've been to the more races than Dan and I combined this year, so you're definitely on track for it. Hey, so, but let's talk about Devin. You were a kid, 2007, 14 years ago. I mean, you were a little kid. Do you? I mean, you even remember cars before the car tomorrow? Um, very. I mean, I used to have some of the diecasts, some of like the uh, Gen Four diecast. So. And I, I remember as a kid, because I didn't, I, I wasn't really into NASCAR when I was younger, but I remember I kind of liked the look of the car of tomorrow better than the Gen 4, but, really? um, That's yeah, rare. but I, I like the, I like, I like the wing look on the car. It just made it look, wow. you know, mean and fast, but, but see, most people don't think that, but what I've noticed, Devin, is from your generation, just stuff I've read that, that Gen Z has a, like a a nostalgic feel for the car tomorrow because that's what they grew up on and they actually liked the look of it. The first thing that NASCAR did when they changed it was got got rid of the bat wing on the back and that you're saying that's what you like the most. Yeah, it just it that's just made actually, the- that's actually what I like the most. And when really? uh, they had a couple of the options in Charlotte, I, I bought a couple of the wings because I love them so much. 
What am I? Hey, we 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 go through forty five minutes of this podcast, and you blow my mind with that. This is un- okay. Interesting. I mean, that's that is cool. Hey, the splitters had to go though. Oh, those were terrible. They still are. But yeah, that's. <laughs> you like the splitters too, De- Devin? The those splitters with those braces that look like uh, dentures on the front of the car. There. Uh, not 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 as not as much not as much. <laughs> well, uh, well we're, we're moving the, from that chassis. Go ahead, Dan. I only love them on the hell. I only love them on the Hellcat red eyes. <laughs> Those never made it to the Cup Series, right? Well, th- we're moving from that yep. chest though to something totally new. So it's the end of an era there. A-, a couple of other driver and team situations that into the era of, we've kind of already mentioned, but Chip Ganassi Racing. They spent 21 years in the Cup Series. They will still be involved in other motorsports. That becomes what well, uh, Trackhouse Racing essentially gobbles that up in the future there we got we you know so Kurt Busch is going to a new team he was, he was in the one car for three seasons Ryan Newman's been in the six car for three seasons probably not going to be a full-time cup driver next year highly highly unlikely and same with Matt Benedetto in his three seasons or two seasons in the 21 car then you also have and this to me is the biggest transition you've got Brad Keselowski leaving Team Penske after 12 years I think that's big he's he was there since the end of the 2009 season so 12 plus years you also have Todd Gordon retiring as a crew chief. That's sort of been a little under the radar thing that's not been highly talked. I mean, it's been talked about, but it just doesn't stick out as much. And, and there's some more interactions as well. Some other drivers like Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill moving up out of the truck series to join Richard Childress Racing and you know a few others. This is that time of year, boys, where no matter what, it's the end of an era for someone. And certainly there are a lot of drivers or a lot of team members that are going to lose their jobs or have to change jobs because of how the construction of the cars is changing. So let's when we get all talking about this championship, let's not forget what's on the line for almost everybody in that garage, Dan. And I don't think, Dan, since your days being at the final race of the year at Atlanta Motor Speedway, has that changed? No, it, it really hadn't. And, you know, you've got to feel because not only is there pressure at the top of the list, but the pressure also extends now to the bottom of the list. So you, you just have so many situations that you can find yourself in so quickly that you really you really have trouble. You need a scorecard to keep up. For sure. Devin, is there anything on the sentimental side that you look forward to, or not only look forward to, but that you circle as the biggest end of an era that you're watching? You know, and, and you being younger, some of this stuff may not be as big of a deal, or maybe there's stuff that's a bigger deal. I don't know. Well, with this current generation of car, the Gen 6, so I really got into NASCAR I think, back in 2017. So this is the this is the generation of car that I got into the sport with. So, so and this is what I've pretty much grown up with is this generation of car. So it'll be kind of sad to go, sad to see it go, but I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the next gen car is gonna yes. bring us next year. So. I'm excited to see that for uh, next year. And that those will be first on the track and really racing action, as we talked about in our pre-show production meeting at Bowman Gray Stadium, L.A. Coliseum, early next February. They had a Bowman Gray test, Devin. I know you were following that with Clint Boyer, Jeff Gordon, and Tony Stewart there. Did you have any thoughts about the little uh, cr- breadcrumbs they shared out of the, uh, the ancient Winston-Salem uh, racetrack there? Um, I, I thought, I thought it was interesting some of what the drivers were saying about, about how I think, I think they mentioned something about grip on, on the yeah. going into the turns. I think yeah. that was interesting. Um, 
and just how the overall the car kind of kind of felt and all that. So yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens at the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum next year for the Clash. Right, and and there are going to be several more tests strewn throughout the year. You can look up anybody listening. You can look up when those are. Uh, but se- several tests strewn out through the rest of this calendar year, including at Atlanta Motor Speedway, that they are well into the repave on now. They've laid the new asphalt down or are laying sections of it down as we speak for the four degrees of banking added to each turn at AMS there. And the transitions coming into out of the corners is going to be a little bit different, too. But, so there's going to be a lot more next-gen testing with a lot more cars than just two or three at a time. And that's going to be uh, certainly they've still got a lot to work on, Dan, with the heat inside the race cars. They've changed some stuff with safety modifications to make the car a little more flexible based on the Talladega crash test, the really dubious tests that people didn't really want to talk about or didn't know much about. Uh, have you heard anything just through the industry, Dan, of some uh, anxieties or worries? We talked about them a lot on this podcast, and I know you talked to a lot of people, Dan. Yep. I had uh, seen Ken Reagan when he was here for Moonshine Festival and we talked a little bit about that, and there wasn't really a lot that was talked about other than what we already know. And yeah. the thing about it is, is when you get down and you start running these cars, you're going to find little intricacies that you've missed or things that you need to do, and it'll 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 work itself out as the season progresses. But I didn't. There was nothing in the conversation that I felt like would be, you know, kind of like when fuel injection came in to NASCAR and a lot of people anticipated a lot of problems. And I I said from the beginning that that it wouldn't be near as near as detrimental or there would be fewer problems than anybody thought about. And they really had it worked out because we've still got. November, December, January, you got three more months left to go. So a lot can be done in those three months, and I think it will, and I think they'll come out of the box swinging because they already have a standard pretty much to go by anyway with that being the the supercar or the big supercar, whatever. And, and I think that you already have an idea of what that car is capable of, what it's going to do. It's just you've got to different set of drivers right and and that certainly that the ground will keep getting tilled we don't have as many drivers leaving or even entering the cup series next year as we've had that the sort of egress and ingress that's gone on the last couple of years but uh, with the new car now that's going to be an x factor and very likely could benefit the younger drivers there as we've seen the frustrations kyle bush has had in the last couple of years joey logano's been really off or just the 22 team has the last couple of seasons too. I mean, he's only got one win at Brad Keselowski needs some rejuvenation there after a good year last year. So I wonder how this, the X factor, the new car changes things. And, and does the, the Fords overall really struggled, right? With horsepower and with the aerodynamic changes, particularly at Stuart Haas, you know, does the next gen car yeah. shake that up? I mean, who, who's the first one to take off and get good with the next gen, right? You've got to ask yourself, is this going to level the playing field among manufacturers or is it going to make it worse? I think it will, to some degree, I think it will help. I don't know what the engine packages are going to finalize being and if they've already finalized a lot of that. I'm sure that they they know a lot more than I do. I know. Yeah. And and I think that, that all of this will work itself out, but... Uh, well, I wonder how much they will have to tweak a little bit 
on the the nose of the car or engine tweaking a little bit, you know, to to give one or another to where everybody they're trying to get everybody on the same playing field, and and that's virtually impossible to do. I think they're good looking race cars, but it, let's let's see what they do on the track, and I sure hope that organizationally. I, I, there's always going to be a difference of money in the teams, but the top flight teams, I hope that the top flight Fords are not so far behind the top flight Chevys or Toyotas as they were this year. It seemed like Chevy had the advantage. One last thing I want to bring in before we take five to go, episode 155 into the garage, boys. Devin, I want to ask you, you just happened to buy tickets and be right next to the spot where I was standing when I was able to call, uh, be a part of the t- team of turn announcers at the Charlotte Roval, and you had a, a gentleman there with you who was at his first ever NASCAR race. What was yep. that like for him? And what was it like for you bringing someone to their first race? And do you think he's coming back? I, I forget, tell me his name again and, and just break that down for me. Uh, his, his name was uh, Tanaka. And earlier this year, I actually, me and some of my friends, we went to uh, Taco Mac and we watched the uh, Coke Zero Sugar 400 from Daytona. From nice. Taco Mac. And I, I just wanted to expose them to NASCAR a little bit. Some of them have seen it, but I know Tanaka for a fact hasn't seen it. And he was talking, telling me like, oh, how cool it was. And then, then I was thinking, looking at the schedule, because I was, I'm try- this year I was trying to go to as many races as I could, and I, I accomplished that this year. And <laughs> the Charlotte Roval came up, and then I was asking some friends, and they couldn't go. And I was like, you know what? Let me take Tanaka to a race, see how he'll like it. And I took him to the race, and he actually really enjoyed it. He had a really good time. He and was decked I, out of Bubba Wallace gear, and I know uh, Tanaka is uh, uh, African American and Japanese American too. Isn't that part of his uh, lineage, right? Um, he's, yeah, he's, um, he's actually, he just got here from Zimbabwe about two years ago. I know, I know his name is, is, sounds like it comes from Japan, but he's from Zimbabwe. But anyways, um, okay. I'm sorry. I I do. I knew he was an immigrant. I was just trying to remember what, I thought there was some tie in with why his, what name was Tanaka too, like a a Japanese. I, I forget. I guess I was totally wrong. I made that up, but, but he, so he's here from Zimbabwe not long ago, right? And he goes to his first race. He's decked out. He got some Bubba Wallace gear, right? And yeah. I mean, what what were his thoughts besides just, oh, this is cool? I mean, yeah. Well, well, funny one. One funny thing is that he was watching Bubba Wallace all day, and then he, and then he kind of he. I, I I think he mentioned it to you at the end of the race. He actually switched drivers, so oh, yeah. he actually works at a, at a McDonald's. He actually works at McDonald's, so I was like, "Oh, why don't you root for Bubba Wallace? He's sponsored by or Ross Chastain. He, he, they're sponsored by McDonald's." But now he uh, he just kept talking to me about how William Byron and all that, and how he's he performed a lot better on the track that day than Wallace did. But uh, but yeah, yeah, every every time I've shown him NASCAR, he's always like, "Oh, I gotta start I gotta start watching week to week now." So I think I, I definitely plan on taking him to the track again next year. So I think I think I think if we want get him watching every week, I think he could get I think he'd get into it. I think that he's very lucky to have you as a friend there to shepherd him through because it could be overwhelming for somebody. So thank you for doing that and spread the good NASCAR news. And I think, Dan, hey, we need Dougie. to adjust our hey, expectations. Dougie. Go ahead, Dan. That's a that's a great partnership. He can bring the burgers. You can buy the tickets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Devin, there you go. Yes, so actually this season I took – I took one. I took a couple people to their first races this season. I think I took about four wow. people to their first races this season. So I'm getting that's new really, fans really. involved in the sport. That's awesome, man. That, that is, is that is so cool. I love getting to take people 
if it's not their first race, like like Devin, like you and I have gotten to do before on the media side, it'd be up close and not and not only in the stands too. But people see that for the first time, and they could be standing in the garage right next to a race car. That that changes people sometimes gets the flutter going in the heart a little bit too. So we've all had gotten to experience it that first time at, at a racetrack, and it's pretty awesome there. So. Yeah, and if you're fluttering, we need to check the jets and your carburetor. <laughs> you would know about the heart flutters and uh, need me making sure that gets a check. So you, know, yep. you would definitely know about that. Um, well, boys, yep. before we get going, any parting shots there? And Dan, I'll, I'll slide it to you first here as we get ready for the championships. No, I'm just I'm just so excited getting ready for this championship because Martinsville turned out to me as as good as expectation did on what I thought the race should be and ended up being. Uh, whether or not people agree or not, that's that's up to you. But um, I really did enjoy that, and I'm looking forward to Phoenix and seeing how this shakes out and yeah. um, see if my predictions hold water. Hey, I think that it certainly has a high chance of doing so. And before we get to Devin's last parting shot there, and Devin, let's give you time to think about it. Dan, you shared with me an interesting stat about the NHRA this past weekend. I know Steve Torrance went to victory lane and top fuel and has dominated there this season, but there there was a milestone for that whole set of series. Yep, 1,000 NHRA national events from, I think, 1955 to now. Wow. And it was a it was an exciting weekend. I watched the drag races too, and and I really thought there was some kind of competition that uh, there was some kind of something going on with Pro Stock between uh, Keith Black and Elite, who are the two premier engine builders for that class, and um, they had devised something to come up with so that they could manipulate the the runs and um i don't know how that turned out i've got to read a little bit more about that but i don't know that it turned out like they wanted it to but i thought that was interesting that that they really did even say anything about it and um and that i don't know if nhra will do anything or not i don't don't Hmm. know if they'll come in and do anything or not but it was just a great weekend and and it being the thousandth race was was pretty exciting and it being vegas and all it, it was just a a great day for nascar great day for drag racing and um the events were good both places martinsville and vegas uh, absolutely absolutely well uh, really glad they've had a successful season there and i know Tor- torrance has been dominated there in nhra so uh, i don't follow it closely there but i do respect what they do devin any parting shots for you as we get ready to go Yes, I actually forgot to bring up this one stat, and it's about for this championship weekend at Phoenix. Please. So, so the last, so with the current configuration of Phoenix, which was started in fall of 2018, so we've run six races on the current configuration at Phoenix. Four of those races have been won by Joe Gibbs drivers, and two of them have been won by Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. That's a great stat. That is a great stat to remember. Joe Gibbs has been on fire at Phoenix Raceway, and it used to be Harvick's uh, place of dominance there, and really since the configuration change, it's been a JGR show. So will it be the dominant team through the whole season or the one that has the history at this racetrack? We'll cover that right here. Get your thoughts as well at 5 to Go. So be sure to go to our Facebook page, 5 to Go Racing, and leave some comments there. I, I'm the one that manages that. I'll try to interact with you. We post our new episodes there. You can hit me on Twitter at Doug Turnbull or find me on Instagram or Facebook too, but Twitter 
Twitter's the most up to the minute, right? That's that's where I check the most. Uh, Devin, I know you're on social media a little bit. Where could, where do you want people to hit you up if they want to talk racing with you? Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Devin Dash Kupka, and that's Kupka with a K. Not Cup Car, because that's what we're watching this week. K yeah. <laughs> Kupka. I might have to change it. I might have to change it to Cup Car. Just add an R at the end of my last name. No, I love that. I love that. And and Dan, uh, um, you don't have social media, right? So just if people are going to need to find you, how they find you, okay? Yeah, exactly right. right because <laughs> no, um, I am uh, I am uh, playing around here with a uh, podcast I want to do, and we'll talk a little bit about it when I finalize a little bit on where I want to go with it and what I want to do. But you and I have pro- talked briefly about that, and um, it is is not a racing podcast, but um, definitely uh, I would call it a life podcast. Uh, yeah, and I look forward to to helping you with that, Dan. That's going to be a real cool thing, so stay tuned for that in the off season. We're going to have some more here on 5 to Go as well. I've got a special surprise delivery here, boys. Eric Von Hessler uh, is ca- calling me, I'm sure, because stuff went late over the station. But, Eric, I got you on the speakerphone with Dan Elliott and Devin Kupka here as we're recording the last throws of episode 155, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well, and I apologize. I got caught up in meetings, and I just I lost where I was in time. And I apologize to everyone that I did not make the podcast. My apologies. Uh, so there all you good. have it. I'm all good. All <laughs> good. All good. All good. Hey, hey, Eric, just one thing, just to do business here. Do you have a pick on Sunday out of Denny Hamlin, out of Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr.? Who's going to take home the Cup Series uh, Cup on Sunday? Well, since we have Uncle Dan here, I'm going to root for Chase Elliott. <laughs> But um, I'm going to assume that uh, the five team got their bad race out of the way. And so if you're asking me if I put money down on it, I got to put my money down on Larson just because that team has been able to step up when needed, usually. Um, But you know what the thing with this format is? It could be anybody, right? I mean, uh, you could blow a tire on the first lap. I mean, your strategy goes out the window, right? So, yeah. I'm feeling, or am I wrong? I needed to ask you about this because sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, does anybody, do they go in even to the last? Yeah, race? it's, it's, it's just the highest finisher. So Kyle Larson finishes 17th and the others finish behind him. He's the champion. That's yeah. I'm going all over the place. I'm saying, uh, I'm rooting for chase. I'm putting my money on Kyle Larson and I wouldn't be surprised if any of them won because, but I do, you know what they should do. And you can tell me if I'm wrong here, if they already do it. Do do those four start at the front? No. There's actually qualifying through the whole field. Uh, They'll actually do practice and qualifying this weekend. So that's a change. That's a change. If if, if these four are going to go into this race, that's what it's all about. And obviously anybody can win, and we all understand that. And we've been doing these races without qualifying a bunch. I think that in the last race, the proper way to do it is based on whatever their standings were coming into it, but you don't apply. At that point, it's still zero, 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 zero going in. But I would put, I would start them in the first two rows, all four of them. I think it'd be more exciting. They should make that change I, in the future. That's interesting. Yeah, Chase Elliott had to start in the back on an inspection failure last year. So uh, Dan says he predicts Kyle Busch is going to win the pole. By the way, I don't know if you heard him there. So yeah, we we'll be all over the place, and and who knows? Maybe right. Alex Bowman just goes and wins it all. He is very good at Phoenix. So uh, I don't know. Jenny Hamlin says he's not a very good driver. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
And by the way, Alex Bowman has twice as many wins in 2021 as Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin, or another way to put it, add Elliott and Hamlin's win totals together, and you get Bowman's for what it's worth (laughs) this year. Well, you know, next week uh, I will make the podcast, I promise. (laughs) I do have some – I want to revisit Denny Hamlin's comments because I think there's something a little bit deeper going on there. Absolutely. uh, We'll do that. We'll do that later. My apologies again. Uh, good luck to the Elliott family and, uh, have great racing. And we'll talk to you next week. Hey, appreciate you, Eric. Thank you for joining in. And folks, thank you so much for tuning in to five to go. We'll be back next week after Phoenix and kind of shape things up for the off season there. God bless and have a great weekend and go Braves. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.